Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Are you ready? Let's make some noise, come on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Broad Street Line. I am Roy Burton alongside me, as always, my tag team partner and a man who, much like Deshaun Jackson, was charged $25 to go to a white party back in the day. One, Chris Domingo. Mr. Domingo, how are you? This, As always, as we say during a pandemic, this quote-unquote Saturday morning, sir. Roy, I'm doing tremendous. And thankfully, we have a guest that won't talk bad on us 10 years later for not voting him to the Pro Bowl. No, no. See, that's the, that's the thing. You know, we have people who we trust in, in this business, people who, uh, who are very talented in this business that, that, that will not talk bad about us um, if and when we ever get accolades in this business. Of course, that's the third man, as always, on the show, our good friend, Chris Stevens. Mr. Stevens, how's it going, man? Hey, Chris. Well, unlike the gentleman that we are discussing, you don't have to worry about me bad-mouthing y'all or getting fired from my NFL network for, for talking about <laughs> – for, for asking women that are not my wife about personal matters. So yes. yeah, I'm all good to go. Great to be great to be with you guys as always. Glad you phrased it that way. I appreciate that. Um, before we get into it, I know we always give our letter people give their shout outs at, at the end of the, the episode, but you're doing something very cool this month on one of your shows, uh, Black Music Month. So I want you to let the people know what's going on. Ah uh, yes, I have a podcast, a personal podcast called the Chris Pods and Things Show. You can find that at Anchor.fm forward slash C H R I S P O D, the letter N T H N G S. And I am talking about Black Music Month. Black Music Month, of course, is June. Is, of course, June is Black Music Month. Excuse me. And I am reviewing thirty albums in thirty days. They're fifteen-minute shows where I will just be talking about albums that have shaped my musical taste, albums critical to an artist's catalog, ones that sound great ones that may have slipped under the radar and I'm having a blast with it. So just pray for my, just pray for my vocal cords. But other than that, <laughs> I'm having, a, I am having a blast with it. No, that's an awesome idea. Please folks check that out. Of course, check Chris out on Twitter as well. He's at CJ, uh, the word writes, the letter and things, T-H-A-N-G-S. Um, check him for all the cool stuff he does. He does, he does that and a bunch of other stuff as well. So please give him a follow on Twitter. Also follow on the Twitter machine. I am the BS line. Uh, Chris Domingos at SKD215. We have plenty of stuff that we'll talk about as always on the Twitter machine. And we have plenty of stuff to talk about here on 106.5 FM WPPM LP Philadelphia. It's always good for us to kind of bring in an outside voice because you know people get tired of us for one. That's probably the main <laughs> reason. But for two, just bring in somebody with a different perspective. Maybe we're kind of, we talk about things and, you know, between us, we kind of, we kind of align on certain issues or, or, or several issues in, in the sports world. So it was always good to bring in an outside voice so someone else can get a different perspective, or maybe if we're right, you know, you know, the same perspective that, that, that Chris Domingo and I have. So Mr. Stevens, let me ask you a quick, quick question about the Sixers and how it relates to the NBA, because Chris Domingo and I have this debate. Well, not even this debate. I was going to say debate or argument or whatever. We, we are in lockstep with this. Um, whenever we see the Sixers play basketball and whenever we see the Warriors or the Celtics or whatever, it looks like a totally different sport. It looks like there are teams that are far and away better than our local basketball team. And my question to you is, is there anything they can really do this offseason or in the next couple of offseasons to get to that level of the Warriors and the Celtics and the Bucks and the Nets? Because quite frankly, I just don't see it. And I'm in lockstep with you guys as well because we're gonna we're we're gonna find shortly that he got that dog in him is going to be running to the ground as most Twitter memes and sports related things are. But this Sixers team, I mentioned it after the Warriors had finished off Dallas. You know, you have to respond when you get punched in the mouth. If you're mm -hmm. if you're a basketball if you're a sports team worth your salt, you you get punched in the mouth. You have to punch back. This team does not punch back i don't know if that's a Embiid issue i, I don't I, it's probably it probably is a Harden issue quite frankly and it is a glenn anton rivers issue i will not call that man the three-letter nickname that he's accustomed to because he has not earned it so it could just be that this team 
regardless of who you put out there with Embiid. And granted, I hope Ty and I think Tyrese Maxey is going to be an All Star next year. That is my early 2023 prediction. But this team needs some guys that will literally just you know punch back. And I don't see too many guys on that team that will punch back. So the question, I guess, another question to you is. What type of guy do they need that that will punch back? Do they is this a, a Sixers team that needs to or should, you know, build around the margins, get that you know sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth guy, you know, to to or, or a combination of those to, to be that guy, um, all you know off the bench or you know in the rotation to be that be those guys, or do they need to figure out you know and get another star who's going to be that guy who has the dog that kind of you know motivates the rest of this team to win. The question is, where does the superstar lie at this point? Because Dame Lillard, you know, he just had stomach surgery. He's still out for a while. I don't think Donovan Mitchell wants to come to Philadelphia. And even if he did, what could you give up conceivably that Utah would actually take? Mm -hmm. So you'd probably have to go around the margins. You need, you maybe you can get the homeboys, the Morris twins to take the, um, the hometown discount. Maybe you can get a PJ Tucker type, but those are the guys that you need because the Celtics, yes, they have Jalen Brown. Yes, they have Jason Tatum. Yes, they have former Sixer Al Horford. Oh, my God. But <laughs> they also have Grant Williams. They also have Robert Williams III. They have Derek White, who they acquired from San Antonio at the trade deadline. You right. have to, you can be smart enough and build your team around two good guys, but you need guys that are just going to be relentless. And that is what's kicking Golden State's behind right now is that the Celtics just give no quarter. And this right. Sixers team, that's what's missing. They don't have guys that are just like, you may be better than us, but you're not going to outwork us. This team, we saw the last two games in Miami series. That game five at, in, in Miami was a disaster and game six was just a carryover. So they just really need to find some guys with some heart and just some grit because right now this team is absent of it. So they have obviously Danny Green's contract. Danny Green's probably not going to play much of at all this year. They have the for their first round pick. Uh, the Nets didn't, didn't um, take that pick this year. They'll have it next year. Um, they have their mid level exception. You know they have a couple you know pieces they can kind of you know play around with. Let's say they kind of use those pieces to get a you know a Mars Twin, um, a Gary Harris. You know you know the names that are going to be a float, floated out there. I think that's all well and good, but. Again, Chris Domingo, let me ask you, if they do that, are they good enough to, to again, compete with those top four teams in the East? Like, I, I, I just don't think it's enough. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with this. Uh, you know the, um, you know the similarities between uh, Grant Williams, Robert, Robert Williams, uh, even Peyton Pritchard, Marcus Smart. You know what all they did? They were drafted by the same team. That, like, like you just, you just can't go shopping. At I don't call I don't, it'd be an insult to call them the Mars Twins, the Dollar Generals aisle. But like I mean, you are bargain bin shopping, and you're waiting for the first free agent to take a hometown discount and come here just because it's not happening. And that's why, like, the irony is you you know how many like like the 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 corny Twitter jokes about Danny A. saying, "Oh, he almost made that trade. Oh, he almost traded for Anthony Davis." You know what? In the long run, probably for the for the for the sake of the NBA, he probably should have ended up making those trades. Because you know what, it like those trade those big those almost trades worked in their favor. Because now they got a bunch of young, homegrown, and I think that's where I think the culture lies. Like I don't know, like I don't know, they have built and, and this is I've always said this is beyond Doc Rivers. This is beyond Embiid. This is this starts. From the very first minute of this process, where they gave the keys to the kingdom to a lot of young dudes that frankly couldn't couldn't that weren't worth that that kind of trust and trust with your franchise. You just can't eliminate four years of Ben Simmons just showing up doing nothing. Like I don't know, how does how does like I don't know a player like a Matisse Thibel who hasn't gotten better in three years? Right. Like I don't know, like get like I get inspired. Obviously, some of it's internal, but if you see a guy, the second best player on the team, never get any better, and and never get reprimanded, what incentive do you have? Like that's why it's impressive Tyrese Maxey gets because he it's all internal. Like I don't know, like there's just no. It, it all starts with accountability, and it start and with the owner. That's that was the downside of just letting just. Oh, 
hoarding all these picks and giving all these young players, not like, I have a problem with giving players power. Giving these young, unproven, even at being to a point, how many times are we sure that he could be a leader of a team? I, I think me, me and Roy, we've discussed this. Mm-hmm. I don't think the answer is an unequivocal yes. That's a fair point. Like, I, don't, yeah, I can't disagree with that. I mean, Embiid obviously can be, I think, and I think we kind of agree, he can be the best, the most talented player uh, on, on a championship team. But is he your, your leader? Is he the guy that's going to rally yeah, the troops? Yeah, there's no one, um, unfortunately, yeah. there's no one to check Joel. And, like, I don't know, we had, there was a guy a few years ago that, that had the cachet to do that. But who is, like, who is, like, I don't know, if, if, if Joel Embiid's in a slump or is he, or, or, in his, like, I don't know, every 10-game mood. Because he's always in a mood. Like, I don't know, where he just, like, I don't know, will, like, I don't know, just sleepwalk through a quarter and a half and then turn it on and be like, oh, and then he'll give the whole, oh, yeah, I, I was struggling. Like, I was kind of lazy in the first quarter. I'm like, no, you don't get that. You don't get that. Like, if you're a, a legit superstar, you don't get that leeway. Do I ever hear Giannis say this? No. No, I, I look. I, I can't disagree with what you're saying. So, and I think, um, you know, part of that was the reason why Daryl Morey tried to. Make, well, he made the move um, at the trade deadline for James Harden, who clearly, as Joel Embiid himself has said, wasn't the James Harden that, that any of us expected. So, CJ, let me kind of turn the question to you. I'm going to make you Daryl Morey. You have the the GM responsibilities of the Sixers this year. Uh, James Harden has a 47 million dollar option that he can pick up this summer. Um, there are discussions that the Sixers might ask him to not pick that up and instead sign him to a longer-term deal. So I will make you Daryl Morey, and I will give you the one-on-one with James Harden. What are you asking that bearded man to do this summer? First and foremost, I am asking you to figure out what it is about your hamstring that has absolutely zapped your explosiveness. Because how many don't? How many, and how just ask, ask yourself this question, and it's probably an easy answer. How many dunks did James Harden have when he got after being traded to Philadelphia? Right, probably zero, but I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that says it all right there. Because as good as he is from the three point line, his, his ability to attack the basket is what got him all the free throws and the 50 point games and all of that, and being able to actually finish at the rim. And if you can't finish at the rim, it doesn't matter if it's 2022, 1992, 1982. You have to be able to finish. You had to be able to finish at the rim to call yourself a scorer and, you know, get that cachet to go to the line. He didn't have that. That explode. Figure out what's wrong with your hamstring. Number one. Number two. Yes. As Chris said, leave this, leave the hot wings and the fries at the strip club alone. Let's let's I mean, ain't nothing wrong with, you know, putting that to the side for a minute. If you really get that, you know, curious about the inner workings of a dance, or you can always, you know, subscribe to OnlyFans or something. I mean, you know, that that's what they tell me. That's what they tell me. I mean, that's allegedly, what I hear. Allegedly. allegedly, that's what I yeah. hear. But also at the same time, we can't do this for you. You have to look inside James Harden and say, you have to look around and say, hey, Kevin Durant's won two championships. Russell Westbrook is still going to get the cachet with the Lakers to where he probably eventually gets one in the next two or three years. Do you want to, and Serge Ibaka already has one. Do you want to be the only one in that Oklahoma City crew that does not have a ring? And let's not forget, the only time he was in the NBA Finals, he was under lock and key by one Mr. Dwayne Tyrone Wade Jr. back in 2012. So his only Finals appearance was not a memorable one. So do you want your only Finals only you do you want your only Finals appearance to be trash, or do you want to redeem yourself and be thought of as the guy that comes up when they do the top 100 in the next 25 years? That's something we can't answer for you that's something james harden has to answer for himself so let me ask you and we'll put a bow on the citrus talk with this let me ask you this james harden comes into your office and he hears that conversation he hears the talk and he says all right i deal with it however you know i got a family to feed I mean, like Latrell Sprewell. i need three years i need 110 million dollars what do you say to that what do you say in response to that Who, man? Uh, either one of you. I, I mean, well, I know well, you. I know because I know you're Mr. We already, Mr. Mr. Stevens. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, well, what I'm saying is, is because right now, unless they find a deal to, for Tobias Harris, what's the point? I mean, you know, it's not, you, you can't let him walk. So it's like, okay, if I give you this 36 million over three years, then I need mm-hmm. to see something. Otherwise, we will amnesty your behind. I know they can't amnesty him, it, but it's, it's, I mean, 
yeah. at, this point, at, at this point, the Sixers are handcuffed, so they kind of have to give him the money. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna give you this against our best judgment and against CB and, and against you know salary cap and CBA common sense. But right now, we need to see some stuff from you. I mean, you'll get the money, unfortunately, but we got to see something to make it worth it. <laughs> they are they are so close. They are like at the at the at the finish line to become this decade's uh wizards. It is real close. Like I don't know. Like Chris said, they are hamstrung, no pun intended. Like uh, um they don't have any assets, young assets. They don't have any picks anymore. They don't have any appealing players. All the appealing players, the one ship that they had just fell off a cliff. Matisse Stiebel, you're like what are you getting for like like you'll get uh I, I don't know what you get for him. Like I, I think it's do you for and and peep and people have asked it's like have you earned like should you look to the future like i don't know it, it's are you allowed to look towards the future even with joel and b kind of in his prime like i don't know like do do you owe him like i don't know emptying the clip and like throwing every resource out to make this team better at the sake of maybe throwing away three four years i don't know like i like i just don't know like i don't know can you do that in reason where you say okay i don't trade for brad beal like i don't know no because i guess it's like the trade that would say okay we don't care about our future is are would you be willing to trade tyrese maxi for for brad beal and just say like you know what if we're gonna go down with the indeed shit we're gonna go down and mm-hmm. if, and, and then if this doesn't work or when it doesn't work when you when you still get booted in the second round and be asked for a trade and you are stuck with james like 35 year old James Harden making 36 million dollars and Brad Beal. No, you really have uh, the next iteration of the Wizards, and Brad Beal was part of both of them. So congratulations, Brad. I but to be honest, and again, I, I don't think again if that is an option. I don't think you have a choice. You have a top five guy. Like you have a top five guy in the NBA. Your window but, but, with like, him. Is- what does Brad? But if you're doing that and knowing what this like, so you're doing that to appease him or try to. Win it like I don't know, like knowing that this has upside for a potential championship. No, you you okay? The, you, the window right now is a couple of years with Joel Embiid. You might not ever get to this. You might not ever have a top five guy ever again. Well, again, well, I mean, maybe the Wizards. I mean, oh, no, I mean, I one forever. <laughs> but in a, in a really long time, for a really long time, you got to do whatever you got to do to 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 make this to, to to force this window open to make sure it stays open. No, but that's, no, but but. Oh, sorry, Roy, but does Embiid owe you something that if you make that deal, you get not an assurance, but you're like, you know what, if this goes sideways in a year, I'm not asking to go to Miami. Because I he feel don't, like... He don't, owe you, he don't owe you nothing. Like, the man don't owe you nothing. Like, I mean, he's under contract. He don't owe you nothing. Like, it's just... you. I think you owe it to yourself to say, hey, man, we got a top five dude. We got to figure out the best dudes to put around him and win a, to try to win a title in two years. That's it. Like, whatever it takes. Like, like Captain America says, whatever it takes. If it's Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey for, I don't know, maybe Brad Beal's a guy, maybe he's not. Maybe it's Zach Levine. I don't know. Whatever no, whatever no, it takes. What if whatever it takes is gets is the best case scenario of the second round? The you got, but you, you have to do it. You can't you can't be scared and say, all right, well, like like this might blow up and we might not go anywhere because you because that's gonna hamstring you. Like you can't like that's that's just you're just gonna para, you know paralyze yourself and not do anything. The same thing with the James Harden trade. I don't, I don't begrudge the Sixers for making that same hard trade at all, and I'd make it again ten times out of ten because you had to do it because you have to get somebody next to Joel Embiid. Now, granted, should we have gotten somebody better, obviously, but I don't begrudge the Sixers for making that trade. I think it was the right move. Well, I think it was, I think it was a move they had to make. I'm not gonna say it was the right. Yeah, move. no, it no, right. no, it was but a move they had to make. Because it was a move they had, it was a move they had to make, and I think because you, they have because to make you weren't surviving, now. you weren't surviving that season with that guy on the team or right. or away from the team. Like I don't right. know, like. I wouldn't have watched. Eight, I would have not watched an entire NBA season for the first time in my life if that if that trade didn't go down. So I'm glad the trade goes, but I am just. I just feel like I don't know, I, and I don't even think this is a hot thing. I think this is almost reality. Is I think they're capped out, regardless of if, if if you trade for a Beal, if you trade for a Levine, you look at the Celtics and you look at the Bucks. You have you cannot even remotely match up with them, not at all. Like they are built, they have. They run, they run two big lineups, and that's their best lineup. The Sixers ran two big lineups, and it was the worst experience in basketball history. 
let's talk about two of those teams. Let's talk about the Celtics and the Warriors who were in the NBA Finals. Let's talk about the man who played possum for a year here in Philadelphia uh, before, he, before he went to Oklahoma City. Then he got sent home for trying too hard in Oklahoma City. Then he goes to Boston, and all of a sudden, he might Andre Iguodala himself to, to a Finals MVP if he keeps playing well in the series, one Al, Al Horford. Again, I keep watching these teams, and it's like, I don't know what the Sixers do. Like, the Celtics had, what was it, 66 points in the first half against against the Warriors, who are a really good defensive team, which is impressive of itself. And then how many times this offseason have we seen the Warriors go and do their third-quarter Warrior thing, and Steph Curry just goes, you know, you know ballistic for, you know, a third quarter? We don't have that here in Philadelphia. And again, Mr. Stevens, I ask you, I don't know what the Sixers can do in order to match up against these teams because, quite frankly, the Warriors and the Celtics are just on a different tier than the Sixers. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say that Al Horford should be banned from getting finals <laughs> if, the Sixers, if the Celtics do win because he absolutely – well, I'm not going to say he sandbagged. That would be a bit of a stretch. What I will say is this team was ill-equipped with Horford to do with the, to do anything. And Agreed. And, and, and you got to remember who the coach was at this point. Wasn't Glenn. No, no. Let's place the blame on where it belongs. The Australian. You think, like, I don't know, like, you don't, you think that even Elton Brand is making that trade if he assumes that you get the same, like, that's why, like, people want to, like, I don't know. I, and I think a lot of Sixers fans are having a real tough time stomaching the fact that this Celtics team is, frankly, the best team in the NBA. And they're probably, and, and it's looking like they're going to win the NBA championship. It is hard for them because they're in, they're they're franchise they're they're in it. Their almost entire franchise, like title, like title contending team, was built on Sixers errors. Not like I don't know, like trading down. And I repeat, trading down. That wasn't stop stop. We're not doing that. Tatum was going to go three anyway. Like, that's not. They were they weren't going to make that trade if, they, if Tatum if they weren't going to get Tatum. That doesn't matter. But, no no but it, but it. But it's also the litany of trading, trading for Matisse Seibel. Like I don't know, like and, and and it goes to and it goes to player development. Like I don't know, the Sixers don't develop players. Period. The Celtics. Yeah, like I, I I'll give you, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll give you the. I, I'm not going to say that the Sixers, the, the 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 Celtics capitalize on Sixers errors. I just think the Celtics are just better at building a team than the Sixers. No, no, period. no. But you don't <laughs> think that the Sixers' incompetency has led them to where they're at? No, well, I don't. Why? You got to remember, the, Roy. The Carson that, Edwards thing? Like, I'm not worried about that. No, I mean, like, oh, no. No. I mean drafting a player that almost died. Like, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a combination of bad luck and incompetency. Yeah, but dra- drafting drafting Zaire Smith didn't make the Celtics better. It just made the Sixers a t- pair of terrible drafters. Like, no, like, I don't, no, no, but that's what I'm saying is the Celtics took advantage of their draft pick. The, the Sixers did not. Yeah, but yeah, that's just make, that just means the Celtics are good at drafting and the Sixers are. Like, that's, what, that's all I think it is. Like, I don't think it's – All I don't think you the, have I don't, to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, go ahead, TJ. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All I was going to say is all you had to do was keep Mikael Bridges. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't I mean, that, that right. That's part of it right there. I mean, yeah. you had you had a built in great story, number one, because his mama used to work for the team. Hi, Miss Rivers. Um, and <laughs> that, you know, his mama worked for the team. It was a great story. He was a great. He went to Villanova for crying out loud. He and he's and he's turned into one of the better three and D guys in the league. I mean, it's not his fault that he's stuck with Chris Paul out in Phoenix. But if you if you're telling me that if you if you told me that trading Mikael Bridges would give you a guy who wouldn't even play an NBA minute because of a peanut butter allergy, and you know you would you know Markel Fultz would do something to his shoulder that we still don't know exactly what happened, but I'm glad he's actually doing better. You know, because he seems like a likable kid, and that you know the Celtics would go on and, and get Jason Tatum and get their dog, their bird, their Paul Pierce of this generation. I would have said you were crazy. I would have said, no, nah, that's not going to happen. The Sixers are in good shape. Turns out they're not in good shape. It's just, it's just, no. it's just terrible management, terrible, you know, development. I don't know what it is about Philly sports teams that, you know, you just can't, this, this city just can't resist screwing itself. I'm cutting his nose off despite his face with it, with it, with every team. It's with hockey. It's with football. Sometimes I mean, granted the Eagles have had a tremendous off season and the Phillies. And it just seems like every major four, every major four team, Every major four team in this city just does something to itself to, you know, handcuff itself. And it's just so frustrating. No, no. 
I, I, I've said this to 4,000 people. The worst decision, they could have survived the peanut allergy. They could, they could have survived Markel Fultz. They could have survived Mikel Bridges, not drugs, if some guy got better by 50%. He was like, you doubled down on the wrong guy for three, four straight years. And that is, and that, and that, like, when someone, when, when James Earl Jones or like someone narrates this, like, this, this Sixers era, it's going to be that. Like, it, it's, it's like n- not le- it's not holding him accountable. Not like I don't know demanding he get better. And the one time he demanded he get better, the, you fired the coach six months later because like no, I, I mean that's where this is. Like I don't know, really you can just separate it between the the Celtics didn't draft Ben Simmons and and the Sixers did. Like I don't know, like that is really the equalizer in all this. He is the reason why the Sixers are stuck in playoff purgatory. Period. At least for Ben Simmons, fat, you know, um, say he is sh- shaking off all the hate that you guys have given him on social media because the man is back on Instagram. He has his own Discord channel. He's back running Call of Duty. He's been been seen out in New York Liberty games. So all you guys, when's he going to play, Roy? Well, all you guys, Thanksgiving, play? Thanksgiving. Um, uh, CJ, we have, we have a <laughs> season. Thanksgiving. I, I just that's back. Simmons because he makes me look like a genius because I have been I think I'm 17 for 17 right on Ben Simmons in, like for the last year. Yeah, you haven't missed like like Snoop says like you like you haven't missed. No, because I, because when you look when, when you see Ben Simmons, you should really look. What is the lowest? Uh, like how low can you go? It's like that. It's like that ludicrous song. And like the you know, people are like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna get oh he's gonna get fired up March. Oh no, April. No, no, he's not. And and remember when this was a mental thing, or is it not a mental thing? I I, I think I lost track. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot. Uh, I forgot. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not sure where we're at right, right now. All right, we're gonna move on from basketball. But CJ, I want to ask you a question. Um, as we're recording this, Celtics up two one on the Warriors. Uh, 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 Steph Curry suffered a leg injury at the end of Game Three, but he says he'll play for Game Four, which happened before this airs. Um, Draymond Green is playing like absolute trash, but he has threatened us by continuing to saying that he's going to continue to make uh, more episodes of his podcast. Um, are the Celtics going to going to wrap this up in six or seven, or, or or do the Warriors have a shot? Celtics in six, like the, the Warriors. To me, they're just doing too much complaining about the wrong stuff. Number one, Draymond. I, the podcast. I won't say the podcast is a, is a distraction because there. I mean, media does post game shows all the time, and Draymond considers himself new media. So. If he wants to get on his podcast and explain to Isaiah Thomas and Cedric Cornbread Maxwell, 1981 NBA Finals MVP Cornbread Maxwell, by the way, people think Cedric Maxwell was a slouch. He was not. That being said, if he wants to, you know, explain himself away to Zeke and Cornbread, God bless him. But the the, the thing that's hamstringing the Warriors is they have nothing on the interior. They've got nothing from Draymond, of course. You know, Looney can't be played at this point because Robert Williams on one knee is better than Kevon Looney. They they don't have Wiseman at their disposal. Right now, this is a midget team, and <laughs> the Celtics are, you know, the, the, the Warriors are Oompa Loompas, and the, the, um, the Celtics are Gulliver right now, just bigger, badder, stronger, more aggressive. And when you start complaining about the fans, and granted, Boston fans do not have the best reputation, and it's well-deserved, but... If you're going to be complaining about fans cussing when you're shooting like three or 15 from the field, you've already lost. So I feel like the Celtics win game four, the Warriors pull it together, win game five, and then the Celtics bring it back to the Garden and win it in game six. Celtics no, are the best defensive team sounds, I've seen that, in 10 That years. sounds right. But they are absolutely no. relentless. And, but they, but that, that's what a modern team looks like. And, and I feel like, I don't, but it's hard to copycat if you like, it's e- it's not easy to copycat when you draft so well. Like I don't know, it's easy to say, "Oh, let's replicate the Celtics." Oh no, right. that means hitting on every one of your draft picks, like in in the late teens and twenties. We are talking with Chris Stevens, author, writer, podcaster. You can find him online. Um, on Twitter, I should say at CJ writes the letter N and Thangs T H A N G S. Glad we have Chris on uh, this week um, for another reason, and that's because um, Chris is. One of the, I'm probably one of the one <laughs> former Cleveland Browns fans that that we know, and of course the Cleveland Browns 
um, are in the news because of their newest acquisition at quarterback, one Deshaun Stevenson. Obviously, you know, this is oh, not Deshaun why you, I'm sorry, Deshaun Watson, excuse me. Apologies <laughs> to Deshaun Stevenson. Uh, this is not why you want to be in the news uh, for your newest acquisition. According to the New York Times, Deshaun Watson, um, new reporting says that Deshaun Watson received massages from at least 66 different women over a 17-month period. Some of these women are, who are speaking publicly for the first time um, describe their experiences that um, kind of go at odds at what he said uh, previously about rece- receiving uh, professional massage therapy. There are now 24 civil lawsuits um, against Deshaun Watson. Um, and now part of those lawsuits are, are another member of those lawsuits now is, um, is the Texans who reportedly provided him with the non-disclosure agreement that he uh, had some of the therapists signed and they provided Watson with a hotel room where some of those massages took place. Of course, the Browns, as you guys may know, have guaranteed Deshaun Watson $230 million um, with the new contract that he signed recently. So, um, Chris, as a former Browns fan, again, how, how do you take in all this information um, about about Deshaun Watson, the newest information about Deshaun Watson? I, I disavowed that team when I heard the trade was going down. So I've tried to avoid it as much as possible, but you can't avoid this level of depravity. Like 66 women in 17 weeks. That's roughly four women a month. So that right. means weekly, weekly. Now, mind you, professional athletes, they their bodies are under a little more stress than the three of us. You know, we're we're regular Joes. You know, we I mean, we get out of bed. We um we might have an ache and pain here and there. But those guys, you know, they they go through it. So yeah. you may need a professional massage. But from 66 different women. No. And. 24, 24 civil suits. The old saying goes, one is a one is an accident, two is a trend, and three is proof. I don't know what 24 is, <laughs> other than that you're just a horrible human being. And granted, the Browns right now look like fools. And I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan by any stretch of the imagination, but if I was Baker Mayfield, I would totally give them my behind the kiss. I would not show up for anything. <laughs> this is the guy you wanted. You, you, and, and, and if, if Deshaun Watson plays a down of NFL football this year, I will be surprised because Roger Goodell is going to see this and say, "Oh God, I got to put the hammer down." So, if if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm literally like, "What y'all, what y'all, what y'all need me for?" I mean, you got your guy. You know, if you really need a quarterback that bad, go out and get Nathan Peterman or something. Don't call me. I'm chilling. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that the uh, the Browns and, and uh, Mayfield already came to an agreement so that Mayfield doesn't have to show up at all season workouts. Um, and again, I can't imagine him showing up after everything that's happened between him and the team. But that's the thing. It's like, like I told Chris before, it's like at the at the very you know at the very worst is a you know a serial sexual assaulter. Like you know at the very worst of this, at the very best of this, in the most optimistic way you can kind of spin this case, this is a man of extraordinarily horrible judgment. At the very best, like if, if everything is up and up and above board and things like that, this is just a man with ex- extraordinarily bad judgment. And if that's the guy you want to guarantee $230 million to, then God bless you. But I couldn't do it. And I couldn't be a fan of that because, quite frankly, that's just that's just like somebody, somebody I can root for. I, I just can root for a man like that. At, at, at what cost, what, what does it profit a man or a football team to gain the world and lose their soul? Yeah. And the Browns, granted, have not had the best of luck. And they just won a playoff game. The only reason things fell off the rails this past year because Baker Mayfield was hurt and, well, he wasn't very good. But just previously, they were a fourth down conversion away from possibly beating the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional playoffs. Yeah. So it's not like the Browns were devoid of talent. It's not like they were still going 0-16 and 2-14 and or none of this. They were still on the doorstep before they went and got Deshaun Cosby. Now, you really <laughs> have to sit here and, and, try, and, try, oh, and try and justify this you know, to a public that will will eat up anything you say because they're so desperate and so starving for a winner. And yeah. now you and now you're probably not gonna have this guy for at least a year, if ever. And now you're two hundred and thirty million dollars in a hole to a guy that you that that might not be able to play football because granted he may not face civil you know, he may not he may not face criminal charges, but Goodell's gonna drop the hammer eventually. Yeah. People counting on Roger Goodell and the league to forget about this sadly mistaken so right now the browns you know have really once again like i said with philly sports teams have cut off their nose despite their face you you could have worked this out with baker mayfield or at least brought in a draft pick 
you know, you could have went out and gotten Malik Willis from, you know, Liberty if you were that desperate, right. but you wouldn't got a guaranteed a guy $230 million who was probably, who was facing 24, 24 lawsuits, Roy. Yeah. None yeah. of it makes sense. None of it. No, none, none of it makes sense, any, any sense at all. And, you know, I saw reporting that said that the, uh, now the Browns kind of feel like, you know, Deshaun kind of pulled one over on them because, you know, they, they weren't aware of that, of this extent. It's like, you were aware of 22, but when it gets to 24, you're like, oh, you know what? This is way too much for us. Like, so, so, obviously, <laughs> make, so obviously they use the same private investigator that from that, from that Dylan, from there's something about Mary. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't like, no, like, I, I mean, this was like, like willful ignorance. They like, mm-hmm. they like, I don't know. They probably, they, they, they probably called a couple of the um, alleged victims and like, I don't know, probably called like like probably let the phone ring two times and like hung up and be like oh oh we called and no i i mean like like no like the the browns have always had that lovable loser label and but like i don't know that's i I mean like they still are a very viable franchise with that label like this is this is something that will this is worse than the lovable loser like now you have like the when you have national media and world media at, at, at Berea, Ohio, that's not a good thing. So no. I, I, I mean, I, I think now, because I mean, it all comes back to dollars and cents. We're like, I don't know, you, you do this like cost benefit analysis, like, oh, if we win X amount of games with Deshaun Watson, it's going to eliminate all this bad press. Well, what if he doesn't play to eliminate the, that bad press? So now you have all the bad press and you just gave a guy $200 million. Like, I, I mean, the, it, it's just been a, like, they, the Browns, miscalculated one that like i don't know this guy isn't like a complete serial predator and two they they underestimated that this that this story had enough legs to like last because they thought like i don't know after the first few weeks and there, there, there was a lot of outrage but they just assumed oh training camp will come the vibes will be like people will just focus on the football uh-uh. thank god for the new york times that like put this out because now it's not going away, like ever. No, it's it's not going away, and I I just don't see the like like you said, um, CJ. I I don't see him playing this year. Um, I don't see the Browns. Just I mean, the, this cloud's going to hang over this team for at least this year, probably longer than that. I just so this dude's going to go like two years without playing football. Yeah, uh, I probably I see three. This, yeah, probably three. Like I I, I think this is just going to be a bad scene for the Browns. It's going to kind of dig them and you know put them in a hole for a couple of years. But again, it was it's of their own doing. So again, I don't, I don't feel that much sympathy. Um, for them, because like you said, it was willful ignorance on, on their part. Um, you, Chris uh, Domingo, you did mention you said the phrase "lovable losers." I do want to talk about the lovable losers in our city, known as the Philadelphia Phillies, who, as of this recording, have won seven games in a row. Um, Chris Stevens, did they did they hate Joe Girardi? Yes, yes. <laughs> Anytime we're 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 talking about professional athletes here, and they're human beings too, and they respond to different you know playing styles just like you know high school kids do if if people aren't familiar with me i've been a high school sports reporter for 20 years and so i've high school and college so i've seen kids you know respond to different coaches like i've seen coaches i've seen teams that have changed coaches and automatically you know turned it up that is what has happened with the phillies joe girardi was so stuck in his ways that he wouldn't play bryson stott who of course has had a walk-off home run since being called back up he wouldn't give Alec Boehm third base, and Boehm is probably the second best hitter on the team behind soon-to-be repeat MVP Bryce Harper. This team was tired of his nonsense. And when you get <laughs> tired of somebody's nonsense, you kind of tap out. And hope, and Rob Thompson, he he's he, I'm trying to think of who he reminds me of from a you know from a different from a sports standpoint, that's not. It reminds me of Lou Brown from Major League. Just looks like a dude that just rips cigs and just drinks butt. Like he, he's a lifer, and I feel yeah, like lifer. I don't know. Yes, like those are exactly. the guys that that I feel that are the are the best guys to take over a team in turmoil. Are they a team to take a team over the top? I don't think so. But I feel for now, like I, I mean, like I like just from a very outside point of view because I don't watch baseball. I, I feel like there was just a bad mix. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, you could always say the same about Doc Rivers. Where, like, I don't know. Doc Rivers is here to maintain the culture and kind of the locker room. 
He doesn't do that. <laughs> and 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 Francis, neither did Girardi. So I, I mean, if you're not maintaining that, and you and I don't think Girardi's ever been this like technical, like I don't know, like guy who like I don't know has all these like tricks. So what what good was he for? So kudos to no, and like I always like and like guys like the Vukovic's, like I don't know the guys that like get a chance to like show like I don't know that even though they've been bench coaches forever, maybe they can lead a group of 25 dudes. I think this yeah, is just a Phillies team. I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, see you. Yeah, I agree with Chris on this part. That is just, it, it, it's worth a shot at this point because you can, go, you can go and get a name brand guy. Like I've already seen people talking about, can the, should the Phillies go after Joe Madden? No, don't no. do it. No. Don't do it. Don't even think about it. He got lucky because that, that Cubs team was talented enough to overcome his mistakes. This Angels team was not. And granted, they were there in the middle of a 14-game losing streak anyway, so maybe they were just trash to begin with. But, <laughs> you, don't, but you don't want to bring in Joe Madden. And right. I think Thompson is just one of those guys that he can, like, we, we people, remember, people were upset. Like, they wanted the city burnt down when they picked Charlie, when, when Phillies picked Charlie Manuel over Jim Leland back in 2004. Mm-hmm. Charlie Manuel, of course, led the team to five straight division titles and a World Series. Yep. Sometimes it's the guys you least expect. Joe Girardi wasn't the guy. Maybe Rob Thompson is. Let's give him a shot and find out. No, absolutely. Like you said, Rob Thompson's a lifer. He's a baseball guy. Like this seems like a, this feels like a team that you can kind of just you know kind of I don't want to say like coach themselves, but I mean it seems like a team that like you know with the guy like a Harper with a Real Muto with some of the veterans in the in the uh, in the clubhouse. It feels like you have enough quote unquote leadership that you don't need it from the coach and that they'll govern the young guys on the roster. Like they'll govern the bones and the stats and, and the, you know, the Nick Matons and guys like that. So I think the leadership will come from inside. And I think Rob Thompson is just the guy to kind of put everybody in the right spot. And I think that's all they needed. I think, I think George Girardi's hand was a little too firm at times uh, with this team. And I think they just got tired of it. And so, you know, forget it, dude. Like, you know, we, you know, we, we're, we're, and it looks like they were tired of it because they're clearly, they're clearly much happier and much better um, without that man. Um, Chris, before, before, uh, actually, no, forget that. Let's go. I wanted to talk about the live golf thing, but we got you here. We want to talk some wrestling. A lot of wrestling news happened over the past couple of weeks. I know you spoke on this first topic on your podcast, but I just want to kind of get your thoughts on the whole Sasha Banks, Naomi thing when they walked out of raw, um, again, I, I personally don't think that they'll ever come back, to be honest with you. But again, you, you never know. You never know how the, how the crazy the business is. What do you, what, what's your, uh, how do you think this thing is going to play out with Sasha Banks, Naomi, and WWE? Well, for Sasha, it's interesting because I've always said that in the last few months after she tore the house down with Bianca Belair at WrestleMania last year, I said Sasha could retire today. Mm-hmm. And she is either a top two or top three women's wrestler of all time. Maybe the GOAT. Maybe the GOAT. No matter of fact, I'll go ahead and say it. She is the GOAT. Mm. So she doesn't have to take another bump. She doesn't have to involve herself in another storyline ever. Sasha Banks is the greatest women's wrestler of all time. And she's involved with the Mandalorian. And you see her in pop culture stuff. Like she did the um she did she she does one of those taste shows. She's in the ice tank with Kevin Hart. Like she can write her own ticket. She's only 30 years old. She's young, beautiful, and charismatic. The world is her oyster. Sasha Banks is one of those rare talents that does not need WWE. Like, wrestling provided an avenue for her. And yes, she's a wrestling lifer, and that is in her blood, but it, she doesn't need it anymore. I do worry about Naomi because Naomi has always gotten the short end of the stick. Like, her two SmackDown Women's Championship runs ended one because she was injured the second because they wanted to put the belt on Natalia for some strange reason and it just feels like she always gets the short end of the stick and I do worry what the future holds for Naomi because as talented as she is and as much of a following as she has if Sasha is that much more of a larger than life figure so I think Sasha will be fine Naomi I don't know the only thing the thing well not the only thing the thing with Naomi is though she's been wrestling for you know more than a decade I mean I assume she's you know well, you know, decently well off financially. Her husband's still there. He's, I'm sure he's decently well off financially. You know, once you're in your early 30s, it's like, how many more years do you want to do this? I don't think she has to do it, but like you said, with her following and things like that, she she could, but I think she, maybe not as the same type of avenues that, that Sasha Banks is, but I think she could go do other projects and just be fine as well. So like, I, I think both of them can just walk away today 
and not wrestle ever again and be perfectly fine, you know, financially and, you know, maybe emotionally. I don't know how much, how, how tough they are to the business. I don't think neither one of them needs WWE. And that's why I don't think they'll come back. Cause quite frankly, like they'll just be fine without it. Chris, I don't know if you would disagree. Oh, with oh, oh, no, oh, <laughs> no, I feel like, I don't know. Like I feel it's mutual. Like, I don't know. Like, Roy, like I told you offline, the machine just rolls. Like, yeah. I, I mean, like they, Vince McMahon just booted his daughter out or just like, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like this is like, I mean, like, like it's a business. It's a business for the wrestlers. It's a business for everyone. And, and I feel like, I don't know, like kudos to Naomi and Sasha for just frankly, like, I don't know, I'll be getting tired of just the way they were treated, but also let's, let's be honest here. Like, I don't know, like this, 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 Sports entertainment business sees guys like CM Punk leave, John Cena, The Undertaker. It just, it like, it's it just, it's just a plug and play. That's how they treat these guys. And I, I mean, it's just like, it's just the way it's always been. Like, I, I, I mean, like, they just will find the next Sasha Banks. And like, I don't know, it might take a while, but you know what? They found Bianca Belair. They found Rhea Ripley. Like, that's that's what I was gonna say. No, that's why this NXT, this that's why the development is crucial <laughs> to WWE. And, and that's why I think they have a leg up on the other company because they don't know how to develop. And they don't know, like, like that is, that for me is, and one of the, the women's division for me is just the separator. Like, I don't know, they're both, the women's divisions are on another planet. I don't even know what, like, I, I mean, I mean, Jade Cargill has, looks like a million bucks, but I don't think they have anyone to train her. And like I don't know, like like I, I just feel like at some point her t- her potential might be tapped if she stays there because you need that you need that harnessing of like I don't know not don't putting people like I mean there's a reason why there's an AEW botches handle because like like these they're just not trained so I mean just the roundabout way I feel like I, I feel like they'll miss them in the short term but I, I feel like that's why. That's why that 2.0 brand is crucial because now, like, I don't know. And, and now they have this thing where it's like a six month thing where they're like shipping these, they're shipping these folks out if they're not, if they're not making noise. CJ, yeah, and to, I think, to about, yeah, yeah, I was going to say that <clears throat> as, be, as as much as, as much as people would miss Sasha Banks, if people just watch Bianca Belair and just watch, not just, what she does on screen, but just how she's 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 next up with that following. Like the young girls, they like the young black girls, they are getting Bianca Belair braids. They are making little EST signs. They are making their own gear to you know cheer her on at these matches. And if you and Mark Henry, granted he's working for AEW now, he deserves probably whatever the wrestling equivalent is to the uh executive of the year award. Because he reached out to Bianca Belair on Twitter and said, look, you are an athletic young lady. We could use somebody like you in WWE. Come try out. And she was like, I didn't know a doggone thing about wrestling, but I was willing to give it a shot. And she is the top women's face in the business. Not the country, the business. And it's like, I mean, not the company. Oh, 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 no, sorry, Chris. She is... I told this to Roy. She is the most talented women's wrestler I, in the history of wrestling. She is no, but I, but I, I hate to stick it like just keep it to women. She's one of the most impressive wrestlers ever. Like I don't know, she's on that Brock Lesnar. She's on that Kurt Angle. Like these, these generational, like physical specimens that, like I don't know, that that get trained and are just absolutely that look like a million dollars. Put on million dollar matches because I, I feel like that's what WWE strives for. You need your wrestlers to look the part, and like I don't know that that's going back to like the days of Hulk, and like I don't know. And Bianca Belair is five tools. She looks it. She she's got the persona. She's got the wrestling, and, and like that's the thing that I've always been impressed with her. She gets better, and, and I think, but that's a statement of of that development. Like I don't know. Like I don't know taking those bumps at the PC, those add up. Yes. And I think what you'll probably see with, you know, NXT and we, and and people have slandered NXT 2.0 from the day it began, but you're going to see that these women that are coming up now, the, 
Gigi Dolans, the Roxanne's, the Wendy Chu's. Oh my God, I can't wait for Wendy Chu to come up to me. She is going to do some great things. Like if you haven't watched NXT and watched like Wendy Chu, you're you're missing up. You're missing out. She's tremendous. And it was just a character change for her because she was like Oscar Light at one point. She was doing like the Mei Ling thing with the mask <laughs> and the and the, the mist and all of that. They put this woman in some pajamas, gave her some bouncy little Barney theme music, and she's over like Rover. Once Wendy Chu gets up on the main roster, I guarantee. I think Chris broke up there, but no, I, I, I 100% agree, you know, with what's going on with that. Um, and I just want to say that this whole thing with Sasha and Naomi, you know, walking out, you know, Chris, I told you nothing for nothing. It gave us maybe the best women's match of the year, maybe the best match of the year, yeah. uh, with the, the three way at the, at hell in a cell with Becky Lynch, Oscar and Bianca. So, so shout no, out to I them. No, no, and I feel that's what I feel about the. That's what I mean about the machine. The machine doesn't stop. Like that's I don't right. know. Like if if Sasha and Naomi aren't there, they they bring in Becky and Asuka, or they bring like that's why. Like I, I mean, like that's why that women's division is just it's great. I, I mean, I feel it's most points it's better than the. Excuse me, it's better than the men's division. Like there's a lot of like high like I don't know elite talent there that that you can put the belt on. Even for like a couple months, like I, I mean, God, they put the belt on Nikki Cross, and and it and it was terrible, but it wasn't like I mean, you could put the you can make Liv Morgan a transitional champion for six weeks, like I don't know, and, and it would be like fine. Like there aren't many people that I wouldn't put that belt on just as like a like a like a career achievement thing. Like I don't know, it's definitely Italian. <laughs> you said the machine doesn't stop and the machine definitely doesn't stop even when it probably should stop uh, at sometimes um this week many of us in the internet wrestling community spent a lot of time talking about a man's breasts more time than we probably ever have talked about a man's breasts uh, specifically um one cody rhodes right peck which he tore right before his hell in a cell match uh with seth rollins over this past weekend of course Everybody is mad about everything in the world. So if you go online and see the reaction to the match, you know, half the people out there were mad that it even happened and they debated the merits of, you know, what, you know, why are you wrestling injured and no one needs to see all that and blah, 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 blah. Cody Rhodes said the decision to wrestle was his and his alone. Uh, Mr. Stevens, are you surprised? First of all, are you surprised at how far Cody has come since his return in the WWE? Because was it six months ago, seven months ago, he was cutting trash promos in AEW. When you go from Arn Anderson mimicking busting a cat in your behind <laughs> to, 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 to wrestling, to, to wrestling one of the best wrestlers of your generation in Hell in a Cell and putting oh, on man. a five star. Meltzer can't put that thing anything below a five or I'm or I'm oh, sorry. Like Seth Rollins, <laughs> Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins, number one, I want before I get back into Cody, deserves so much credit for protecting Cody. Yep. Because you have to, you have to, you have to be have a level of trust of somebody, and I think Seth has learned from the whole Sting buckle bomb situation, where Seth has gotten a lot better at being a safe work worker. But Cody, look who his father was. I mean, for crying out loud, Dusty Rhodes invented blading. When you when when your dad is the American Dream and he puts little teeny bobby pins on his tape tapes bobby pins on his fingers to create a gruesome effect, it is in your blood. So wrestling with a torn peck that has one side of your body looking like a Barney baby bop drawing, it's nothing to you. <laughs> it's nothing to you. And it only is going to make the story of when he finally dethrones Roman Reigns that much better. No, we're not going to see him before Royal Rumble. But when that American Nightmare music hits, whether it's yeah. a 20, 21, 22, 23, or 30, the roof is going to come off the joint. And yep. when he wins... Oh! It, oh, my God. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm telling Yes. I'm sorry to interrupt, Chris. I swear to God, I did not give three dams about Cody Rhodes until WrestleMania. I didn't. Like, I, I mean, like, like you said, his claim to fame for the last three years is memes. Like that, that cupping the ear meme, that Arn Anderson meme. Like, I don't know. Like Brandy Rhodes just trending for all the wrong reasons. But this is the difference between, like, I don't know, AEW and WWE. WWE, when it, when it works. They know how to make someone big. And, like, I don't know. And, and, and one, it, it was, it's easy to make Cody Rhodes big. It, it, they got the generation thing. And back to, like, this king of the ring. Do you think another wrestler who whose family 
did not live and die with this business for 50 years would have done like the, how like do you think it would have been a regular wrestler that would have done this knowing cody's situation that this is like almost life or death for him like i don't know he feels like he keeps saying it's a his second chance he's not gonna let the second chance go away do you think another wrestler of di- different circumstances would have done what cody rhodes did no absolutely not because no. i'm telling <laughs> you right no. now no i feel like it is like but uh, like and I, I I told Roy I'm like I think the the match might have not been like classically good but the torn pack adds to the story and that's what like I don't know and, and it's all about moments people want to point to these ratings and it's like I don't I, I mean it's like the ruination of wrestling it's like and wrestling wrestling's based off moments it's like I don't know like Rock and Hogan looking at each other at, at, at Skydome. It's like all. It's like Tyson and Austin. Like it's not matches. It's not like other than like Steamboat, Steamboat Savage. How many and, and Taker, Sean? A lot of the stuff you remember from the 30, 40 years you've been watching wrestling is just ten second clips and like Cody taking off that. I, I mean, I was aghast. I was like, oh my god! Like, and that was a real oh my god. It wasn't like oh my god. It was like holy smokes. No, I, no, I, I agree. And, and, you know, we talk about moments and we talk about, you know, and again, the moments are even better sometimes, you know, when they don't happen in the, in the big marquee matches. Um, and speaking of the big marquee matches, we won't have one of our guys in those big marquee matches for another month or two, it seems. Uh, Roman Reigns is officially on the Brock Lesnar schedule. Um, didn't defend the belts of Hell in a Cell. It's not scheduled to wrestle at Money in the Bank and is not slated to appear at a pay-per-view until July 30th to face Randy Orton at SummerSlam. The problem is he has both belts, and we're not going to see both belts defended for a couple of months probably, which is a little weird to me. we got like a minute left, so CJ, let me ask you a question. Is this sustainable between now and Royal Rumble? Because it's going to be really hard to get there, I think. I don't think it is. And granted, Roman, I don't know if this is just, you know, part is. I don't know if this is a work. I don't know if this is him literally, you know, dropping it on the table and saying this is what I'm going to do and y'all got to live with it. But I don't think it is. I mean, you have to have your champion be a champion. Granted, you see AEW is naming an interim champion while CM Punk is out. But Roman Reigns... Worst idea ever. Worst idea ever. (laughs) And, And after that, it's like, what do you do? Like, if your champion is not around... Then, 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 what's the draw? Right. What, what, you, um, what are you doing? So, I think Vince is going to have to have a heart to heart with Roman at some point. Like, okay, yeah, you, you've done good business for us, but you still have to give us something. Yeah, and and you know, it was okay with you know when Brock kind of pulled some of this stuff because there was another belt, so you always had a kind of a pretty big storyline um, that's out there. But when you have both of the belts um, not being defended, both of the main title belts not being defended. Um, I don't think that's a, that's a very tenable situation for the long term. All right, we got another minute or so before we get out of here. Before we do that, I always want to give our guests a time to shout themselves out. So, Chris, if you want to take a few seconds, please, or a minute or so, please let everybody know how they can follow your work and, and check you out online. All right, once again, Roy and Chris, thank you all for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be on with you all. Greatly appreciate it. Y'all can find me on the Twitter machine at C-J-W-R-I-T-E-S, the letter N-T-H-A-N-G-S. If you follow Roy, you will usually see him escorting me off the TL for some of my usual shenanigans. So that's one good way to follow me. Um, other than that, yeah, I'm on Twitter. You can go to my website, chrisstevenswrites.wordpress.com. That's where you can catch all my books, my blogs, my podcasts, and all of that. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm an agreeable person to chat with for the most part. So, you know, let's kick it. Let's talk music. Let's talk sports. Let's have a good time. Uh, no, Chris is a very good dude, very good follow on the Twitter machine. Haven't had to kick him off the Twitter machine in a long time. <laughs> and by a long time, I mean probably like a couple of weeks or whatever. I was really expecting <laughs> I was really expecting some inappropriate Wendy Tooch tweets. I didn't see him. Um, so you have grown. You're matured. Um, and and I, I appreciate the fact that I did not have to call the officers um, a couple of weeks ago. Because, again, because they're always on standby. They're always on standby. To, I've to, noticed. To, 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 to escort you. No, but seriously, again, Chris Stevens, again, CJ writes in things on Twitter. Again, author, writer, podcaster. Also, the, uh, is the man who runs the First State Hoops Report um, website. Uh, for those of you basketball fans down in Delaware, um, he has all sorts of information for you guys down there as well. So check that out as well. Um, thank you, guys. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, thank you guys for listening. As always, here on 106.5 FM, WPPN LP, Philadelphia, 
or wherever you get your podcast. Mr. Domingo, take us out, please. Have a great weekend, everyone. See you guys. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery.